Hey, Drew Dixon from Love Thy Nerd back with you for another Bible Thump. And uh, we're in First Peter. Let's get to the real meat of this whole thing um, so we can properly thump you with the Word of God. All right, so this is First Peter 2. I started this last, last week, and then I want to kind of go to the latter part of this passage and camp out there and, um, and kind of unpack more about what it has to say about your identity and my identity as this new chosen people, this new chosen people through Jesus that God is um, bringing up, that God is nurturing through the milk of his word, which, which we talked about last week, is the gospel. So through the gospel, God is building this new people. He's shaping this new people for his own possession. Um, and there's a lot of ties to God's promises to Israel in this passage. You'll see it really clearly right away, I think, if we pay attention. So with just a little bit of paying attention, uh, we can get a lot out of the Bible. <laughs> Isn't that funny? If we just pay attention a little bit, you'll get more out of the Bible. Uh, so yeah, let, let's check it out. All right. First uh, Peter chapter 2. Therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all slander, like newborn infants desire the pure milk of the word, so that you may grow up into your salvation, if you have tasted that the Lord is good. It's important to stop there and recognize that salvation is something we grow up into. It's not just something we accept and experience at one point in our lives. It's also something that we that we mature into. So hopefully um, that takes some pressure off you. Um, that you don't have to be this perfect person, um, but that God is working in you and is, is, is giving you, is reminding you, the, the reminders we get of the gospel are opportunities to grow up into this, into this salvation. All right, so uh, verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but to the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone to stumble over, and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Okay, so Peter's been making this big elaborate argument about, about who we are. As followers of Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, Peter's reminding you of your identity. And so then last week we talked about how this identity, reminding ourselves of who we are in Jesus, also sort of um, shapes and begins to form and, and give give color and 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 posture and uh, guidance to what we do in the world. And so we're invited to participate in God's kingdom project, His project of bringing the kingdom of heaven down into the kingdom of earth, from bringing His perfect reign and rule to bear on the world that we live in now. And of course we know Jesus is coming back and when he does, we will we will experience that in a way far greater than we do now. But for now, we are to participate in that kingdom project by inviting Jesus to reign more and more and more in our hearts and lives. And what does that look like? Well, last week we saw that it means getting rid of malice, getting rid of deceit, getting rid of hypocrisy, envy and slander, like fighting this temptation to make the world revolve around me, fighting this temptation to use others to get what I want and what I think I need out of life, but instead embracing this call to love people sincerely that Peter calls us to from a pure heart. 
one of the simplest tests of where we are in our walk with Jesus, uh, where we are in our faith, is to consider um, our relationships, the impact of our lives on the people around us and the people closest to us. Are we pointing them to Jesus? Are we loving them? Are we loving them purely and sincerely? Or are we loving them in a way that is really self-serving and, and self-seeking? All right, so that said, here's who Peter says we are. He said that we are, um, we're a chosen and honored, we're people chosen and honored by God, and we're being built into a spiritual priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So um, here's what you need to know about Jesus. He is the honored cornerstone he is the one that will never be put to shame. He's also the stone that the builders rejected. But listen, Jesus was rejected by people. Um, he was persecuted. He was slandered. He was um, beaten with an inch of his life. And ultimately, he was crucified. But this one that everybody else rejected, God has made the chief cornerstone. He has exalted this person who was humiliated and despised. Um, and, and here's what he says after that. Or right before that, he says, The one who believes in him... The one who believes in the one who was put to shame will never be put to shame. Isn't that, like, that's amazing and beautiful and so, um, this is such good news, right? Because, um, like, who does that, right? Who does that? But Jesus does, apparently. God does, apparently. Apparently that's God's way of interfacing with our broken world, is by choosing to be despised himself, so that, to, to choosing to be put to shame himself, so that those of us who trust in him would not, would not ultimately be put to shame. That's not to say that we won't have times in our lives where we are put to shame, where, where people do persecute us. Um, that's not to say that at all. There may come times when we are persecuted. There may come times when we are put to shame. There may come times when our lives are really ugly and awful and frustrating and full of disappointment. But ultimately, the one who trusts in Jesus will not be put to shame. So he was put to shame so that we, we wouldn't be ultimately. Um, but listen, the one of the really important things for us to gather uh, here, I think, again, is who we are. To understand that about ourselves, where people who won't be put to shame, where people who are being built into a chosen uh, priesthood, a holy priesthood, um, that, that empowers us to be able to offer spiritual... So this is all tied to the priesthood in Israel. Um, and I think what Peter's saying is we're being built into a new priesthood, a better priesthood. The former priesthood had all kinds of limitations and all kinds of... Uh, ways that that priesthood didn't quite live up to God's intention for it. Um, I mean, you can look at all kinds of examples in the Bible of how the priests lost sight of their call to lead people to Jesus, to God, to lead people to to trust in Him and to sacrifice to Him. Uh, they got mixed up in idolatry. They got mixed up in um, in, in desires for power and wealth. Um, and so, this is Jesus saying, "You church, you follow Jesus." I'm, I'm, I'm gathering you, and I'm restoring you to God's design for that priesthood. Do you see that? It's pretty cool. And, and here's what he says, too. This is important to understand. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What was God's intention for Israel? His intention for Israel was that they, they would be lights into the nations, that they would live these set-apart lives under the law of God so that the nations would see them and think, there's something different about you. Um, so the nations would see a distinction to Israel 
and the nations would be called to trust in God as well, to, to, to look to him, right? Um, and they had a, have a really like spot, to, to be nice, I guess, if you look at the Old Testament, like the nation of Israel, this is not me picking on Israel today at all. Please hear me say that. This is, this is the story of the Bible. The story of the Bible, uh, the story of Israel in the Bible anyway, is one in which Israel has a really, at best, spotty tra track record of, of being lights into the nations, right? Um, so much so that God had to send someone like Jonah to the nations because he didn't want to go and be a light unto the nations. Uh, it's just one example, but we could look at lots, right? Um, and, uh, and he's restoring that, that beautiful, um, vision of life, that beautiful mission to, to, to us, to those who follow Jesus. But listen, look what he says. He doesn't say you are a chosen person. You are a royal, uh, priest. You are a holy person. You are a, a person for his own possession. He says you are a chosen race, plural. You are a royal priesthood, priesthood, plural. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. You see in this passage, one of the things about our identity that we've got to understand and, and unpack and, and, and live out and, and sort of embrace about ourselves is that we're called to community, right? There are, there no, are no Lone Ranger Christians, right? There are no Christians who get to just um, hole up and live by themselves and not interface or interact with any other followers of Jesus. No, we're called to live in community. We're called to invite people into our lives who will shape and help and guide us and give us a picture of what it looks like to follow Jesus. And we're to invite other people into our lives that, and this sounds arrogant, but to invite them to see what what our following of Jesus looks like. Like, what does it look like for you to follow Jesus? And are you letting other people see that? Uh, that's kind of scary because we all think we probably fall short of like, giving people a good example of what it means, what it looks like to follow Jesus. But that's what we're called to do. Um, so um, there's a way to do that humbly. There's a way to do that that doesn't point to you and doesn't show how great you are. But if you um, think so little of yourself that you think you have nothing to offer others, like you, you've lost track of your identity, right? That's a, a misplaced humility, you know? That's a, a broken humility because... Look at what Peter has said about you. You have this imperishable, undefiled inheritance that's being kept in heaven for you. Um, you're being uh, tested so that you're being made to be more glorious. Like the, the difficulties you're going through are strengthening your faith, according to Peter. Um, he says he's raised you from the dead uh, like he has Jesus, and he's given you glory like he has Jesus so that your faith and hope are in God. Um, he's uh, redeemed you from... Um, the, your former way of life, right? He's, he's working in you to rid yourself of malice and deceit. He's making you into a chosen priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That's who you are. So in other words, in God's economy, in God's way of seeing the world, you have inherent worth, dignity, and value. You have something to give others. If you are a follower of Jesus, um, even if you're not, like I think the Bible's testimony is that you're you have inherent dignity and value. You have something to offer the world. You have something to offer other people. And like in the words of um, <laughs> like my Sunday school teacher or that old song I used to sing in church, like stop putting that under a bushel. <laughs> like let your little light shine, right? I think that's part of what Peter is saying here. Don't think so little of yourself that you think you have nothing to offer the world, to, that you think you have nothing to offer other people. Invite people in. Let them see who you are. It's going to be messy. You're going to mess up. There's going to be times when you're going to be a bad example. That's okay. Um, when, that, when that happens, press reset. 
Try again. Like, it's okay. You're going to mess up. You're not going to be perfect. It's not going to happen. But you have something to offer. You have something to give. And stop. Please, I'm begging you, please stop thinking you don't. That's a really dark place to be. Here's the message of Peter. You are a chosen race. You're a ruler, priest. You're people for his own possession. And you're called to offer these sacrifices that through to God that through Jesus, guess what, are acceptable to him. God doesn't despise you. He doesn't hate you. He's not annoyed with you. He sees you as something, as someone who has purpose, who someone who has dignity, who some, someone who has worth, and someone who has so much potential to make a difference in the world for his kingdom and his glory and for the good of his creation. He wants you to participate in this kingdom project. He wants you to participate in this mission, this, this, this redemption project of making all things new. You're invited. Won't you step in? And if you think you don't have anything to give, won't you just take one step, take one step of faith to let go of that lie? Because you do. You do. Please know you do. And if you think you don't, contact me or somebody at Love I Nerd. Um, all of our email addresses are just our name at lovelineer.com. Contact us, and we'd love to remind you, just help you, point you, remind you of, of the immeasurable worth you have and the potential you have for the good of, of the kingdom of God and for the good of the world. Thanks for your time. We'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.